Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are ASAP Science here to make things make Today, we are talking about the James Hubb Space Telescope, which personally, I think is one of the most important sort of space ventures of our lifetime. We're talking to Sarah Gallagher, who is a science advisor for the Canadian Space Agency. But most importantly, she's a professor of astronomy and will actually be able to explain to us something way above our pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Above our pay grade? Like, we can't explain what's going on. Like, I'm sorry, folks. We ain't like astrophysicists. You know what I mean? Fair. She is. Oh, it's so cool. I'm so freaking excited. Yeah, I'm excited to hear you guys chat. The only thing is that like this is coming out around the time it should launch. But like this has been a long time in the making. And like I'm really worried that we're going to release this. And they're going to be like, it didn't launch. Like we're pushing it back. Didn't it already get delayed? Yeah. yeah. And it's so complicated. And it, it requires so much fascinating science that like. You know, things could go wrong. And yeah. so I'm just like, you're going to get the information right now, whether it yeah, worked but, or not. Why should it matter? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. The science is all here. I just like, it might, it be, might be premature. Yeah, maybe premature. <laughs> My well, we'll see. still there. We'll see. But if it did launch, congratulations on the launch. <laughs> uh, what's new with you? Um, not much. I am actually so excited about this. I am like freaking out about this James Hub thing. And like, I do think if it does what it's supposed to do, it's going to change all of our lives, which is crazy. Okay. Well, you guys are going to talk about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, my what we learned this week is a little bit like getting us ready for it. Okay, so you maybe I'll I mean? do mine first. Yeah, do yours first. Is there do anything else we want to talk about? Like, we just recorded another podcast. I'm like, no, we no, we're good. We're good. What did we learn? What did we learn? What did we learn? Okay. Oh, what did we learn this week? Did that seem really loud? <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn this week? The scream uh, okay. version. My what did you learn this week was the first ever major meta-analysis on the impact of microplastic in our diets. It's not looking good, (laughs) by the way. It's not looking straight there, folks. So basically, (laughs) microplastics, as we already know and studies have shown, Uh are basically everywhere. They're in our food, they're in our water, they're in our bodies. Um, And the presence of those microplastics has been shown, it's been been found in human lung tissue, placenta, Colectomy samples. I don't. What's colectomy? Colorect. Like your colon. I suppose. Um, your ass. We just say it anyways. Your literal hole. <laughs> your literal hole. <laughs> so in petri dishes, studies have shown that microplastics can cause significant damage to human tissue. So we do know that, but we like didn't know in the real world how yeah, does that like, express itself. Like, yeah. is this a major problem? Yeah. Obviously, there are studies on like uh, different kinds of plastics, and lots of people yeah. try not to have like. What's it called? That uh, like BPA? Thinking? Yeah, I was like, I was gonna call BP. And I was like, <laughs> BP oil spill. They don't want BP oil spills <laughs> Which in their is body. Weird because BP. 
be, I mean, because oil is plastic. That's a weird thing that I like sometimes forget as a fact that a lot of people don't realize. Like plastic yeah. is made. It's made from, from petroleum. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like actually very important. We all understand that. Like the plastic issue really needs to be more about how it's also evil oil issue. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're mm-hmm. right. Like that's a way we can all get together and be like, no, also like, do you really want to be having fossil fuel containers? <laughs> it freaked me out. Like reading this study and just thinking about like, you know, we even have just like every cup i'm like pouring hot yeah. water into until, these like kind until, of plastic cups into like bi- like biologically synthesized oil like it's crazy and obviously that's probably melting and coming into my body yeah okay well yeah <laughs> no it's true well, it is it is it is it is it is, it is. It, it, but literally okay, is. I'm, I'm not what exactly. i want you to know what i want you to answer though is what's the damage though because like i think it is so like we they can't, basically oh, okay. <laughs> have found that it's in quantities that is damaging to humans in what way like hormonally um so they found it's hold on so they found that four specific types of harm to our different types of human cells are okay oh, sorry let me say that again. There's four specific types of harm to human cells. So okay. it's cell death, damage oh. to cell membranes, and an allergic response. That's three. I don't know what the fourth it's is. It's like literally a poptosis, <laughs> a cell death. Yeah, which is like probably the worst. But thing. again, okay, this is the thing. Is it? Why am I? I don't and know they said that was so directly. Yeah, well, but suddenly like, you're working for the plastic yeah. industry. <laughs> I'm big plastic today for some reason. <laughs> I'm just like, why am I big plastic? No, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Like, is that the petri dish when you say meta analysis? Because, like, obviously, so often in science, we have to jump from petri dish, you know, to rat to human. Is it the petri dish that's doing the apoptosis, or is it like in humans? It's literally killing. So they ourselves? looked at seventeen different studies and on the yeah. quantified <laughs> impact of different levels of plastic. So they yeah. obviously they're not like taking parts from people. They're trying to like figure out in people is this expressing in like illness wow. or anything, and basically the answer is yes. One significant <laughs> finding what? they found is that irregular shape cause more cell death than spherical ones it was like they were able i I don't i don't actually specifically know how they were like testing the cells this was in humans though not in a petri dish okay um and so the at the levels already found inside human bodies these particles seem to be causing significant cellular damage wow is what they were yeah no i don't know why i'm deciding to work for big plastic like i i literally did that video about like penis is shrinking and in that in that video i learned a lot about the endocrinology issues with a lot of the byproducts of plastic Mm -hmm. but microplastics interestingly when i was doing all that research i wasn't able to find the direct correlations between the microplastics which are actually a lot bigger than the things i was studying which Mm -hmm. were disrupting hormones but it's true it's like why it's so insane what we have done with plastic on this planet why am i doubting that Awful, and no one knew awful. and now we're finding yeah. out right we're, so, we're, like, exactly. we're finding out even bpa it was like no one knew and found out and then yeah. there was a big push to like minimize yeah. that in water bottles <laughs> and, and even bp oil spill actually bp did know that it was going to cause climate <laughs> yeah. change and we did find out and, and now we're like, are we doing anything and i'm sure we're going to find out soon that <laughs> nestle has known for 20 years that they're killing us with their plastic water bottles yeah yeah for um, sure they probably invented the science and figured it out and then we're like oh let's close that file so ultimately the study concluded that we are already eating levels of microplastics at a harmful level. Obviously, they're like, more studies should be done, uh, and they still need to figure out how our body excretes them. So it's yeah. like yet to be determined yeah. what the long-term impact is. Like, how long does it sit in there? Is it damaging you forever? Does oh it accumulate God. over time? Because already there's like so many conversations and studies on like aquatic species <laughs> and how there's so much plastic in like the fish we eat. You're literally just like peeing at like Playmobil Lego arms in the it's future. Scary. Like so much plastic. I mean, and I... Are you about to say something? No, I was just thinking about also in the future, we're like peeing like blue Kool-Aid. As we're <laughs> <laughs> it's like Which is so the best Kool-Aid. Light. 
the taste <laughs> in my personal professional yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, me too. I'll say blue. Blue is the best. Blue is a really good flavor. <laughs> Speaking of like plastic and horrible yeah, things to put in your body. just plastic. Yeah, like that's actually <laughs> all Kool-Aid is is a bunch of microplastic. <laughs> Imagine over an suit. <laughs> no, yeah, by the like, um, Yeah, Kool-Aid. ultimately Probably I think it's just like crazy to think about. I don't know. It kind of freaked me out reading the study and reading the conversations yeah. around it and and like the articles even being like, will plastics be our generations lead? Where they realized, oh, someone did point out on the other episode, like like pencils don't have lead in them. Oh yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> the I yeah. actually always forget that. It's I always forget that too. Hence like why we were like but in your freaking HP like, pencil. Will in however many decades they look back on this time is like that time we were just like putting poison in your body and didn't yeah. realize. Like we well, didn't know. Let's do Which a shout fair. out to Rachel Saltz, The Plastic Problem. Go mm-hmm. pick it up at the literal ROM. I went to the Royal Ontario Museum recently gift shop. Rachel's book. Mm-hmm. Our little queen. But like, yeah, like that book is like about that. She's obviously mm-hmm. also someone who's passionate about plastic for a reason. Well, you just sometimes don't think about all like literally everything around us right now is plastic. I know. It's crazy. You know, like my even, pants, even my like dang this polyester shirt has like a plastic casing, the stand, like T- chairs tables like it is just difficult it's Bed so sheets. integrated <laughs> yeah. uh, clothes there's I so many said clo- that. yeah clothing oh you did okay yeah sorry. no because like you said bed sheets <laughs> no 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 but before i take clothes, because mitch the other day was like did you know it was probably when you're reading this he was like this shirt's made of plastic i was like yeah like i could see that I was no, like you, i kind of knew that it is a crazy one when you figure and then i was like it, is it seeping into my skin should i be not wearing plastic clothes i don't know that's a conversation for another well day, so. no it's when you're washing it it's it going into, into the environment the environment slash ocean slash lakes and then ocean yeah and then that comes back circular into our bodies because we're eating things from the ocean yeah but then cotton's also really bad and so it's wool and it's like oh good lord i know i know that is the hard part where you're like well everything's bad go naked everything's actually bad. know what we can say top of the list oil and plastic okay let's move on <laughs> like it is worse than like literally wool and cotton okay <laughs> what did you learn so i am stepping us on to the goddamn spaceship and we're launching into the air because now we have to start (laughs) we have to kind of stop thinking about plastic because it's like wait is the telescope in the space oh yeah no it's a it's a really amazing telescope that launches you into space this is all me just like saying random things (laughs) to try and make the point that you need to leave earth and leave the human issue of plastic right now because the conversation we're about to start having is like about the universe wider yeah and so it's like we are actually just like molecules of elements in the universe mm. in this story we're about to tell like we are so small oh my god set the stage you know what i mean that's what i was trying to do i was trying to be like let's get astrophysical baby <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay so i'm reading Here this book are. the disorder cosmos so freaking good by chanda prescott weinstein and it's about quantum mechanics and astrophysics blah blah blah, blah. But one thing that she like she's talking about space time right now, and this is a simple thing we all know, but I just want to reiterate before we go into what we do today, because it has to do with this simple fact, which I always forget that like light takes time to travel. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Just like, I always forget that. That well, but you actually, know, actually, yeah. people forget that because we're in our <laughs> goddamn brains that don't notice it. <laughs> it's crazy. So it's like just the like. 1.3 seconds ago is what you're seeing the moon. Mm-hmm. So like when you look at the moon, you're like, okay, that moon is 1.3 seconds ago because that's how long mm-hmm. it took the light to okay. get to my eye. Like Jupiter, it's 40 minutes if you ever see that baby in a telescope. Okay. You're seeing it 40 minutes ago. So if it blew right. up right now, you wait 40 minutes before you see it blow up. Right. Like that kind of stuff. Love that. And then even like nanoseconds for if you're reading a book. Like it's how? Like, from it's the like, page to your eye? Yeah. Or from like, me to you? 
Remy, yeah. I've uh, never actually I'm seen you. I'm seeing a young version of you. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a young version of you too. That's why we're in love. We only see younger <laughs> versions of each other. <laughs> you only see the younger version of each other. Put that in a Joni Mitchell song or something. Like, and I only uh, Can I steal it? it? Yeah, yeah, right down. <laughs> right down. Um, <laughs> so this telescope, because we don't talk about this in the interview, is going to be able to look 13.5 billion years in the past. That is so disturbing. So it is with this in, if it works using this incredible technology and being able to see through dust and see much further into our universe than ever, it will be able, because of how long it takes light to travel, be able to see 13.5 billion years in our past. So that means we're going to understand like, A, did stars appear before galaxies? Like Hmm. how did stars form in literally the early universe? So weird. What would the first stars look like 13.5 freaking billion years ago? Like unfathomable, unbelievable. I'm going to start crying. That's the craziest thing. Also is looking for, this is more like fun. (laughs) It's looking for the planets that like the exoplanets that are in the like Goldilocks zone that everyone talks about. Mm -hmm. And with this, they'll be able to tell if there's oxygen and certain elements on it to be like, well, well, probably life. Yeah. So that's a cool one too. Wow. Anyways, this is so exciting. But also, yeah, you just have really to understand that light takes time to travel to Earth to get why and how this could even work. I mean, I'm just thinking about how stupid people will think we were at this time. You know, when we look back and we're like, yeah, they were just simple and stupid. Like in in a hundred years, that. they're gonna be like, they were just stupid so and they stupid didn't and simple. know. They didn't know. And uh, even their freaking like high school students are gonna know more than we know. I know. Does that no? That that's amazing. That could no, be that's not. Sometimes bad, I'm like, that's annoying. <laughs> but it just means like we're all always just yeah. living an existence that's like kind of wrong. And, yeah. And then the people a hundred years past them will also look back on them and be like, they were just didn't know. I think that when I think of people like Sarah Gallagher and like Katie Mack and like. Chanda Prescott Weinstein, these people who are the smartest people in the world who are astrophysicists. Mm -hmm. I think part of their motivating factor from just like how fascinating they write and stuff is being on earth and being the people who know the most about that thing to try and like not fall behind. Like, do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. part of the motivation for them is because they're so smart. They can actually understand it. Mm -hmm. They get to be the few people on the earth who get to know what the people of the future will maybe like just know more about about or innately know kind of thing. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's very exciting and fascinating. And I think that is for anyone pursuing like high levels of whether it's education or research or whatever. I think that is an exciting part where you're like, I actually know things that might take decades to trickle down into the general population. But and I have to figure it out even. Yeah. No, it wow. is fascinating. I just, I get too existential. I'm like, what's it all for? Yeah. We're just going to keep finding out everything's crazy, which is interesting and fascinating. And yeah. I'm not saying like, it's not worth I'm so doing. obsessed with knowing that. I don't know why. I think it's so fascinating. It just like never ends. Yeah. It's insane. It literally never ends. The smaller you get, getting quarks, fermions, let's go. Okay. We are going to talk to Sarah Gallagher. She's so freaking smart and she's actually explaining things to you while I honestly like freak out and cry. Okay. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I will right, we'll see you in a Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're like us uh, and you maybe are the friend that's constantly talking about the success that you're feeling through therapy, maybe you're hearing your friends talk about how they're loving therapy, maybe you're confused, how do I start? How do I find a therapist? What do I do? That's why we are here to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your personal needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. The counseling is done securely online and is available worldwide. Not only can you schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you don't really want to have to put on the makeup for the fair, although maybe you should check yourself if you're putting on makeup for your therapist. I think I have put makeup on for my therapy before, so never mind. <laughs> you skip the long commutes. There's no waiting room energy. There's no, you know, that awkward 10 minutes early. What I do, just sit on my phone, waste time energy because you're doing it at home from your computer, for example. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and get timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp lets you change counselors at any time, so you'll always get a great therapy match and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling it's more affordable and there's financial aid available okay ding ding check check just head to betterhelp.com slash side note to get 10 percent off your first month this also helps our show if you do this and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionales again that's betterhelp.com slash side note for 10 percent off your first month Study time. Study time. Study time. Study time. We are here today with Sarah Gallagher, who has their PhD in astronomy and astrophysics. So I am freaking out uh, because I'm just so excited to pick your brain. We're going to be talking about the James Webb Telescope, but I'm also going to be asking you lots of questions about black holes. But to start with the telescope, maybe for people listening who don't know what's happening, if you could give people a brief sort of glimpse into the importance of this telescope that's sort of being unveiled right now. <laughs> Absolutely. We are very, very excited. So the James Webb Space Telescope is going to be launching on December 18th of this year from Kourou, French Guiana. And uh, what it's been a giant projects. It's a $10 billion project that's been in in the, in the works for decades, basically. So <laughs> it's, it's a really, really big deal. So when you launch a big telescope like this, it's something you have to plan for a really long time because of course, nobody's ever done it before. So you have to figure out how to do it. Um, so let me tell you why it's so exciting. So it's super exciting. I, I think most people are probably familiar with the Hubble Space Telescope, and you've seen the beautiful images of space that have been taken by Hubble. So James Webb is just going to leave Hubble in the dust. And, <laughs> and it's because um, of three things, basically. So the first thing is it's way bigger. So when you have a much bigger mirror, you can catch a lot more light. And that means that you can see things that are much, much fainter and farther away. So that's the first thing that's really exciting about it. The second thing is where it's located. So the Hubble was launched from the space shuttle. So it's in low Earth orbit. And the problem when you put things in low Earth orbit, so that means it's actually not that far from, from the ground. It's about 400, 500 kilometers away, is, it, um, it, is that the Earth gets in the way. 
And the other thing is it goes in and out. Sometimes the sun is shining on it and sometimes it's not. And the Earth is just in the way. So the James Webb Space Telescope is going to be much, much farther away from the Earth. So it's not going to go in and out of the Earth's shadow. And it's also going to be able to not, the Earth won't be in the way. So it has access to much more of the sky. And the so third, it's orbiting still. Oh, sorry. It's an orbiting. It's, it's not, an orbiting. It's not orbiting the Earth. It's at a location that's called it's called Lagrange point two, um, which Ooh. is, uh, which is the place where the gravity of the earth and the gravity of the sun are balanced. It's one of those places. So that's a really what? sweet place to put a telescope because once you put it there, it's pretty easy to keep it there. Um, otherwise, are you serious? It's just like, it's just like in space, like it, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's just <laughs> out in space. So, it's, Oh my God. Uh, so it's so far that it's not even orbiting the earth. That's it's orbiting with the Earth around the sun. With the Earth around um, the sun. Yes, oh but it's my not gosh. orbiting the Earth. Yeah, that's right. So wow. Okay, sorry. Go on to the third thing. I just needed to clarify that for myself. <laughs> I know it's cool, right? And the third thing that's really cool about the James Webb Space Telescope is that it's um, it looks at different wavelengths of light than Hubble. So Hubble looks at light in the optical, like what we see with our eyes. Um, and also in the ultraviolet, which is, you know, that's the light that gives you a sunburn. We can't see it with our eyes, but it's higher energy. Um, and the James Webb Space Telescope is going to be focused on the infrared. And that's light that is lower energy um, than the light we see with our eyes, the visible light. But what's really cool about infrared light is it can penetrate uh, dust and gas. Um, so that means that we can actually see through these like giant clouds of dust and gas. It's like when you see the, um, you know, the firefighters use infrared glasses so that they huh. can find people in a smoky room. And the reason is that infrared light can penetrate the smoke um, so that their cameras can see it. But uh, and so the James Webb is like that, too. It can look in through dust and gas and find like hidden things like baby stars and um, and also galaxies that are, um, you know, shrouded in dust. The James Webb can look through them. So that's so those it's, are three um, reasons. Is it able like is it only going to be looking through like the infrared wavelengths or it's like infrared visible and UV and you've just added the infrared on or is it just so, using infrared light? It's not just infrared. So there's some uh, some visible light, but red colors. So the Hubble can look at, you know, red, red green, blue, ultraviolet um, and a little bit of infrared. But the James Webb is going to be it's going to go much farther into the infrared. Um, so and, and that's also a lot of uh, a lot of the, the exciting things that happen in the universe give off a lot of light at those wavelengths, and so it means that we'll we'll be able to see them. So something. So when? Sorry, go ahead. Oh my God! I was just gonna be like, so when these telescopes, like the measly Hubble one at this point, I didn't say it was measly. <laughs> I just said James Webb was gonna leave it in the dust. That's all. I said it was measly. I'm just it's throwing it under measly. the bus. We, we love Hubble. <laughs> We love Hubble here on yeah. ASAP Science too. I'm just saying, coming to the stage, we have James Webb. Yes. <laughs> but so, really, like with issues with like Hubble, is dust, it's physical dust in the universe that is like something that is blocking our ability to see more. Like it's yeah. that, it seems so simple. It's like, oh, oh, damn it, there's dust in the way. <laughs> I know. It's like we just need a broom, right? We can just sweep it away. Yeah. Um, but that's actually a serious like issue. Yeah, it's like yeah, physically absolutely. blocking your ability to see further. Yeah. So, have you ever gone out in the summertime in a really dark sky and seen the Milky Way? Yes, yes. So have you ever noticed that when you see the Milky Way, you see the sort of milky parts of the galaxy. So the Milky Way is yeah. our galaxy. And then there's like black bits in it. 
Have you ever noticed that? It looks kind of patchy. Like, yeah, like I guess so. Yeah. So, I'm always just crying of absolute, the sheer brilliance of it. I'm usually crying. But yes, I've seen the black. Yeah, yeah. The, of course. <laughs> um, you know, on a dark night, usually where we are, it's uh, you get the best views of the Milky Way in the summertime um, and in a dark sky where it's really yeah. clear. Uh, so you, if you look at the Milky Way, you'll notice that it's kind of patchy. And the reason it looks patchy is because there's dust. So <gasps> the dust is blocking our view of all the stars in the Milky Way. But if you take okay, the same picture, that's so good. That's such I a know. good little tidbit for when you're looking at the stars with people. Absolutely. I mean, so you can see it. It looks black, but it's not actually black. It's just there's something that's blocking what's behind it. It's blocking the stars and, behind it. And is it true that when you're looking at the Milky Way, the Milky Look is just like the density of stars? Is that yes, actually yes. what mm-hmm. that is? Yep. That is insane. So if you take uh, binoculars or a telescope and you look at the part that just looks milky, um, it'll break up into individual stars. Wow. Okay, so everyone just needs to be excited for December 12th. How long December will it... It's December 18th. December 18th. I know, yep. I know. <laughs> How long will it take for some sort of like information to come back through the telescope where you know it might be like headlines obviously in like science magazines but people the layman person might start hearing about some of the results like is it going to take six months is it going to be quick long like what is your predictions as like an astrophysicist for right things you'll so see it takes yeah so first of all it, the james webb has to get to it where it's going um so so that's so it gets certain, launched it, on right the so it's gonna be launched on the 18th okay and then okay. It, it takes a while it's got to go i believe it's 1.5 million kilometers so you know it's, oh it takes a while <laughs> to get there um okay <laughs> and then um so it takes a while to get there but not not a lot of time like you know and then what happens is once it gets to its location and this is this is what one reason why James Webb is so cool is that you have that big mirror, but it's all folded up. And so because the telescope has to fit into the rocket, the fairing of the rocket is the tube of the rocket. So it has to fit into the fairing of the rocket and then it's going to go out to where it's it's to L2, where it's going to where it's going to hang out. Um, but then the telescope has to open up. And so you have to open up the sunshades and the sunshades um because in space, the sun is just, you know, frying the telescope and it has to protect oh. it and you have to keep it cool. So you have like layers of sunshades. The mirror has to unfold. Um, so oh. the whole thing has to deploy. So that's one thing that's um, uh, that has to happen. That's a big part of uh, the engineering behind James Webb is making sure that all of that goes well. That goes well. Oh, my yeah. God. And I encourage people to look up photos of it because it's hard to sort of grasp what that what you just said but when you look at the diagrams it's so beautiful and interesting yeah and, and it's just and like straight movies. out of a movie and you can see <laughs> yes. movies that show how it deploys so it's it has to unfold and unfurl its sunshades and its beautiful mirror and uh and then once it and then they'll start doing the engineering checks so they'll do things to make like, sure it's like good to go yeah so they first they check like is it turned on and then what is the thermal <laughs> thing and you know they have to make sure the temperature is right and the electronics are working and they'll test all the different components and basically they'll start trying to uh take data as soon as possible but they have to do all those sort of checks and yeah, like, and while gotcha. all that's happening the telescope is communicating with um with earth to you call it telemetry it's like sending or housekeeping actually we call it housekeeping so it's sending down <laughs> the housekeeping which is like what's the temperature and what's the power and 
how are, you know, how are things doing? Um, and then, but it takes a while before it'll start taking science data. And then once it does, there's a check, they have to verify, you know, the instrument's working right. Um, I don't actually know what the first light image is, um, but it will, yeah, it will probably take a couple months before we get the first oh, wow. images. Oh, that's not even as long. Like after all what you just uh, described, yes, I was after like, the year, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff <laughs> but that has to happen. Uh, but that's still quite quick when you consider what you just said, which is insane. That's I don't know if you can answer this question. It just came to my head, but it's like, what are the sunshades made of in order to protect a mirror or a telescope so close to the sun? Well, it's not it's that it's so close. It's just that it's out in space. So, you know, on Earth, we have our atmosphere. Or without atmosphere. the protection of Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've, we've got our atmosphere, but there's no atmosphere out there. What are they made of? You know what? I'm not actually sure. Uh, some of those protectors on um, first, I'm not sure what the James Webb ones are in particular, but often the sun protection is material is like mylar. So it's, uh, you know, it's not that thick, but it's something that is very reflective. And so it blocks the, um, it blocks the sun, you know, it shines it back, Ugh. it reflects it, but it doesn't have People to necessarily be a tough material. Yeah, that's interesting. It can be like a relatively like something that you could probably touch on Earth and be like, oh, it's like crazy how protective this thing might be, like mylar. <laughs> yes. It's, okay. And there's layers of it. It's got multiple. If you look at it, it looks kind of like wings almost. That it's really it. beautiful. Like I encourage people to look at it. it. Looks like it looks like a something out of James Bond or something crazy. Or just like humans are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of smart humans, I really want to talk to you about black holes because. You study them and yes. they fascinate so many people. And I just like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. I just feel like so honored to be able to talk to someone who like even understands. I'm just going to ask the basic question because I just want to know like, it. what the heck is a black hole in your way of telling people? Yes. So what is a black hole? That's an excellent question. I'll tell you how I usually explain it and you can let me know yes, if, if that please. makes sense to you. <laughs> so I like to start when I'm talking about black holes and just think about um, if you think about the escape velocity as being how fast you have to go to escape from the gravity of an object. So okay. if we're talking about the Earth, in order to escape from the gravity of the Earth, you have to be traveling about 11 kilometers per second. So, you know, that's pretty fast. Think about going 11 kilometers per second. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, Barf. way, way yeah, faster than fast. your car goes, but not <laughs> crazy, right? Like, not like you can't imagine going that fast. Yeah, um, okay. And then, and then we go to Jupiter. Jupiter is a much, much bigger planet than the Earth, much, much more gravity. And so to escape from Jupiter, you have to be going about 60 kilometers per second. Okay. And then okay. go to the sun. So we're, you know, we're, we're stepping <laughs> up here. So the sun, you have to be going about 600 kilometers per second to escape. Because it's just so big. It's just the mass and the gravity. Yeah, exactly. So there's just we're that much more gravity. It. So to have enough energy to escape, you have to be going that much faster. So, you know, you can imagine just going up and up and up and up. And at some point okay. you get to the point where the speed that you need to go to escape is faster than the speed of light. And that's, Holy crap. Okay. that's 300,000 kilometers per second. So when that happens, you get a black hole because nothing can go faster than the speed of light. So if light can't escape, then nothing can escape. And oh so that's, God. that's, that's a black hole. That's, that's one way of thinking about a black hole. That's a Thank you. I feel like I've had many people describe black holes. I've never had it that way. That was such a tangible little progressive step to where we needed to go. So light isn't escaping black holes. Exactly. Like, 
so the f- the formation of a black hole like okay so oh my god i'm just like freaking out i'm so excited um so it's like if we think about black holes because that's sort of one of the things that this telescope is going to be doing right giving more information about black holes for what we have currently based on like the physics that we understand you know einstein is pretty smart he's like there's still some of the stuff holding up in regards to black holes what are what do we sort of currently know and like what is the prediction of what this telescope could do in order for our understanding of black holes because that is part of what it's trying to do right yes so there's a, there's okay. a couple things that are going to be exciting that james webb is gonna i mean there's a lot of things that are exciting but the ones the two that I, i'm going to talk about too as relates uh, as regards black holes so Please. i told you that light cannot escape from a black hole so you might think well then how do you even know they're there and how do you see them yeah. and how do you study them so you yeah can, you can't see the black hole itself but you can see the environment around it and you can see how it affects matter around it. So if you have a black hole and you have a little black hole, which is maybe 10, 20 times the mass of our sun, and and there's a star that's orbiting around it, you'll see that star wobble back and forth because it's orbiting around a black hole. And you can actually figure out from the wobble that there's a black hole there and you can measure its mass. The mass of the black hole. The mass of the black hole. Yep. Um, And then, so those are little black holes. I actually study supermassive black holes. So those are the awesome kind. Um, Uh, Yeah, sicker, bigger, (laughs) sicker. (laughs) So those are the great, those are the awesome kind. And they're in the centers of galaxies. So our Milky Way has a black hole in the center of it. Um, Oh my God. I guess I didn't know that. So the middle of our Milky Way has a black hole in it and everything's just orbiting around this like thing. Well, so the thing Like is it all around it or what? I don't know. Yeah, so the black hole is in the center of the galaxy. (laughs) So you know, the sun is orbiting around the galaxy, but we're really, really far from the center of the galaxy. So from the point of view of the sun's orbit, like it doesn't even matter that there's a black hole there. It it doesn't because there's so much other stuff that dominates the motion of the, you know, stars and gas and dark matter. And that dominates the motion of the, of our sun. So it only matters when you're really close to the black hole, that it's a black hole and not something else. So the one at the center, uh, like, is it truly at the center of the Milky Way galaxy? Like dead center, yeah. Is, well, because like dead center. Well, because black holes are, uh, they're they're massive and they're really dense, and so they actually sink to the center of the galaxy. So they'll wow. they'll if it doesn't start out in the center, it'll interact with the stars and the other objects in the galaxy until it falls into the center. Until eventually it gets there. Because it's, is that only the supermassive ones? Like, would there be small black holes like There throughout? actually are, yeah. So there's there's a oh little swarm God. of black holes and neutron stars around uh, the black hole in the center of our galaxy, the big black hole in the center of our galaxy. So there are, from what we've seen, like smaller ones, but they are relatively close to that large one, considering... Uh, some of them the are, but not galaxy. all of them. I mean, they're all over the place in the galaxy. So when It's you- so freaking crazy! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> There's not one that's very close to us, so I don't want yeah. anyone to get anxious. Um, okay, yeah, like that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to be okay. Um, but there are – so if a star is big enough, at the end of its life, when it's run out of all the fuel um, that allows it to, to fuse hydrogen and to glow, um, it can turn into – it'll explode into supernova, and the cinder that's left over can be a black hole if it's massive enough. It'll just collapse into a black hole. So, wow. So that is like when you think of formations of black holes, 
what we understand is that at least some are formed from the collapse of this giant energy of a star. Yeah, right. At the end of, of a massive star's lifetime, you can sometimes wind up with a black hole. So that's how, wow. as you said, and, and actually you, you said something really important. Some of them form that way, which is exactly right. But we don't think all of them form that way. Um, hmm. And the, the supermassive black holes, we actually were not exactly sure how those formed. Um, but they must have formed it early in the universe and then grown over time. So maybe they were wow. the cinders of the first star. Like some crazy big ass star exactly, <laughs> or something. Exactly. But there's no way to know. Cause like, like there's so like the crazy thing about telescopes from my understanding is like you're because of the speed of light, you're looking back in time, yep. like in many ways. So you're able to really look back. Like when, when you read studies about like, one billion years after the Big Bang. It's kind of like, well, how could you know? But like people are looking sort of like back in time. But there are these black holes that exist that there's no way to tell the formation of because there's just no way to have seen that far back to know. They're just there well, from what we've yes. seen. So so that's exactly exactly right. That as we look farther and farther away, we're looking back in time. And that's why something like James Webb is so fabulous oh, because it's second. so sensitive because things that are far away are going to be fainter. So if you want to Sorry, actually... one second. You froze. You froze for one second for me. So just uh, could you start like the looking back in time thing? Because sure. I need to know. <laughs> okay. Yes. So people will hear, but I need to hear. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. So the looking back in time. So as we look far away, we're looking back in time. And one of the reasons James Webb is so great is because it's so sensitive, and because it's looking in the near infrared, we can look at those objects that are really far away and really wow. far back in time. And, and some of those things that, that are going to be studied with James Webb are some of the earliest supermassive black holes that we know about. So when the universe was only a few hundred million years old. Um, hundred million years old. A few hundred, yeah. So a few hundred. really, really young. And, wow. And we, honestly, we're not exactly sure how you get those supermassive black holes when the universe is so young. So, so being able to learn more about them by studying their light um, might help us figure that out. We might be able to see, look around their environments and say, is there other stuff there that maybe can help us understand where they came from? So that's one of the one of the really exciting um, science questions that James Webb will give us some beautiful data to get a handle on. So when you're like picturing the black hole photo that was like super famous, like the M87 yeah. or whatever, like that one that was like front page of that one day and we all were so excited. Yes. It's really that sort of like orangey yellow, like that you see around the, the dark dense middle. That is where the information that we can study is. Yes, is exactly kind of right. It? And and that black hole. So there's there's different black holes that we can study. So the ones that I study that I think are the most interesting are the kind that are actively growing. And when they're actively growing, there's huh. basically a disk of gas and dust that's swirling around and it gets really, really bright and it glows and it gives off a huge amount of light. And that's the gas before it falls into the black hole can give off a huge amount of light. And those are called quasars. Okay. Oh my God. I've read that word before. And I'm, yes. I try so hard to learn this stuff and I read those words and I'm just like, what the hell's that? Okay. But yeah. Okay. Yes. So that's, okay, a, that's, that's a quasar. That. Quasar is a okay. growing supermassive black hole. The black hole in the center of our Milky Way is not really doing very much. It's kind of boring, honestly. Oh, um, oh my God. I mean, Drag ours. our black hole. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, as far as black holes go, like it's kind of, yeah, it's not really doing that much. So, 
but M87, so that's the one you're talking about, the beautiful um, event horizon telescope image, which was like the donut that looked like it had, you know, one side of it was was fatter um, and brighter. Um, so that black hole is also not really doing that much. It's huge. It's absolutely huge, but it's in the middle of a galaxy and it's not doing that much. So the light that we're seeing is from gas that's close to the black hole. Um, and, and that's basically as close as we can get, um, is, is to look at that gas and it's glowing and the telescope is observing in, um, what's called the submillimeter. So that's the, that's more like radio waves. So much longer wavelength than James Webb is going to study. So, um, oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So that's a different yeah. kind of beast than the, than the supermassive black holes in the distant universe the distant universe, which is the young universe that James Webb is going to allow us to study. Because the ones that we can it, study with James Webb are going to be the ones that are growing like crazy and they're giving off a huge amount of light. Wow. So there will be maybe even more information if they're giving off even more light. The hope, maybe. Is that true or not? Um, it will. So what we want to know is we want to know, like, how do black holes grow? How do we get such big black holes in the early universe? And also these big black holes, we think, are in the centers of galaxies. And we want to know, mm. you know, you're feeding this monster in the center of the galaxy. What does it do to the galaxy? So those are all questions oh, we want to know. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Okay. I have another question. I'm like, is it is it true that, like, time falls apart in a black hole? Because time, <laughs> is yeah. that real? So, <laughs> so time behaves very strangely in a black hole. So as you get, so actually we don't know what happens inside of a black hole. We only know what happens as you get up to the, what's called the event horizon. So that's the, that's the surface where the speed of light is the escape velocity. So once you so go, like, that's is all okay. we can know about. So like, cause it's like the speed of light is, it, you haven't passed that threshold of the 300,000 kilometers, kilometers per, per second. second was yeah. that. So it's like, you're still able to see stuff cause light is still able to get out. That's the event horizon. But then once you get to a certain point, like close enough, it's like, well now the light can't get out. So we can't say anything. Yeah. So we, we, don't, so we know, we know very huh. few things. We know, you know, once you get past the event horizon, you know what the mass of the black hole is, uh, you know, you can study its spin actually. Um, so, hmm. so if they spin and if it's charged, then you can measure its charge. Those are the three things you can know about a black hole. Um, wow. So we, but the stuff that's right outside of it, um, that's just normal stuff. So we can learn, you know, what is it made of? What are the elements that it's made of? How hot is it? How much stuff is there? Is it falling in? Is it going out? So those are the sorts of things that we want to we want to know about that gas. Um, and so, but the time thing, like what happens oh, yeah, to the time? time thing. Like, when it, so, yeah, right. <laughs> so one of the things that's really cool about how time behaves in a black hole is that you have to ask who's asking, because is it so? If you're on a spaceship and you're and you're headed straight to a black hole, you're just going to feel like time is doing whatever it's doing. But if I'm far away and I'm watching you on your spaceship heading into that black hole it's gonna look like your time is slowing down. And the- uh, Wait, why is that? Because- It's because of uh, what's called general relativity. So that's basically just that the, when you have things that are really massive, they affect the space time around them and they distort it. So for example, it, it's uh, if you send 
Um, if you send a light signal really close to something massive, like even the sun, we can measure this from the sun. This was one of the first huh. tests of general relativity. Um, the path gets bent because the space time is distorted. So if you think wow. about, if you have a, a common analogy that people use is that you have, if you imagine you have a rubber sheet and you put a bowling ball in it, and then you take a little marble and you send it past the bowling ball, um, the rubber sheet, because it's distorted, is going to mean that the path of that marble is going to be curved. It's not just going to wow. go straight. It's and just so crazy to think that time is linked into that. Like time as this thing that is just so visceral to all of us. Like, it's just so crazy. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Honestly, it just blows your mind, right? You think yeah. that's, and I, I do think that it's something it's really hard to understand. <laughs> yeah. So like it's time, time is affected by gravity. Like that yes. is mm -hmm. a thing that like, I feel like I say to like my friends when I try and explain like the best I can, cause I read all these physics books. I try to understand, but I'm not like, I'm not a physics person. <laughs> I'm trying my best. And like, when I say it to them, they sometimes like ask me questions and I always fall flat. I'm like, I just, just trust me. But you know what I mean? It's like, is there like a way to like, kind of fathom as a human like you you're 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 aware of this you're like time is affected by gravity but like you still exist you know and it's 5 right. p.m I, like how does it work in your brain you just sort of are just like yeah that's how it works it's uh <laughs> it's really tiny so but actually we have to worry about it so the you know the gps satellites have to make corrections for the fact that they're far away from the center of the earth so they're in less gravity um, than something that's on the surface. And so they have to actually make that correction between the gravitational, um, oh. the, the time at the surface of the Earth versus where the satellites are. It's a tiny, tiny correction, but for GPS satellites that are very accurate, it actually makes a difference. And so they have and to it even is take like into an, account. It's visceral. Like it's like the thing you're using, that's a GPS satellite on your phone, has had to make a correction for the fact that time is impacted exactly so everyone says <laughs> what great. good is all that physics stuff it's like well it lets you figure <laughs> no. out where you are very precisely because you know we we corrected the clocks on the on the gps satellites so okay so we have like sort of like five more minutes and i just want to ask sort of something more just like personal like this these questions are so like big like it's so interesting i love astronomers i love astrophysicists because it's just like the thing that you're doing with your life is just like studying like so beyond our day-to-day -day lives. And I'm just like curious how that sort of like worldview and work coincides with like your life on earth as like a normal human. Like how often are you tapping into that knowledge to like cope or how often are you, you know, having drinks with people who don't understand this and like, are they super curious? Like, I'm just so curious about your life kind of as someone who understands um, these things. Yes, so let's see. There's a lot of different ways where I think it affects me. So one is that I do a lot of outreach. So I like, I love talking to kids about this stuff because when you talk to them, and I think, I think there's this sweet spot around grade three, like kids hmm. that are eight years old because they're so curious and they have amazing questions and some of them are amazingly knowledgeable. Like, you know, they've just eaten up all those those books about, it's like space and dinosaurs, right? And some of them will just come yeah. with these amazing questions. So, wow. so that is really um, invigorating to me because I mean, I'm a very curiosity driven person. So mm -hmm. um, when I think of 
get it, trying to understand a black hole, it's just, it's so amazing and it's outside of my realm of experience and it's such a puzzle. And so the fact that I'm able to do that as my job, I feel so fortunate and like so grateful hmm. that, that I am able to do that. I think also having an astronomical perspective to some extent <laughs> is yeah. really, is really helpful um, because you know, when I say something is quick in astronomy, I mean, a hundred million years. And, you know, and if I'm talking about something being far away, I mean, like 300 billion, you know, not 13 billion light years, right? So just the scale of things is, is huge. And, but I think it also makes me very cognizant also of like the, the preciousness of earth, right? Mm. Because we have this planet and, you know, the earth is mostly made up of silicon, but most of the universe is made up of hydrogen. So like the earth is really anomalous, like in the universe, it's this weird, uh, rocky planet. Um, the earth is mostly made of silicon. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's mostly rock, but that's wow. Silicon is actually quite yeah, okay. rare. If you just look in the whole universe, the, most in of the, the universe. universe is hydrogen <gasps> and helium. And the earth is made out of all of these heavier elements that are actually quite rare. And we have this amazing atmosphere oh and we're God. in this sweet spot in the solar system where we have liquid, we have liquid water and we have an atmosphere that protects us from the sun. And we have a magnetic field that protects us from the solar, you know, the solar storms, which would basically fry us. So <laughs> it's, uh, I think that perspective is really helpful. It makes me very appreciative and, and, and helps me, I guess just recognize how special the earth is and how really um, fortunate we are to be on this amazing planet that has liquid water and a great atmosphere and a magnetic field and all those things that, that make life possible. That's so beautiful. It's like, there's such a sort of like trend now about like gratitude and like being grateful. And it's like, that's sort of just what you're describing is like an astronomical way of being grateful for like, <laughs> like this, like such a like unique experience that is life. Like that is, that's beautiful. That's so comforting. That's so interesting. And I love that. I never thought about the materials of earth. Like I've sort of thought about what, but the atmosphere and water and stuff like that, but I didn't really think about the rock and how like, it's just like even the whole thing that it's made out of is just kind of rare on a universe scale. That's so compelling. I've never heard that before. Yep. So now you can bring that to your next party and, uh, and yes. people with your, uh, with your knowledge. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Honestly, this was so interesting. I just freaking love talking to you about all of these things. So I'm just, so what is your, like, just to end, like, you just want people to know about the James Webb telescope. Are you Canadian? Like, what's your involvement with it? It's like you're. Yes. So I'm yeah. the I'm the science advisor for the Canadian Space Agency, and so okay. yes, I'm Canadian, and uh, and so I'm I'm an astronomer also. So I am just so excited for the the amazing science we're going to see. Our astronomical community, all of us, are just so excited. We had so much engagement with the uh, with people who wanted to use the telescope, and so. Uh, December 18th is going to be a big deal. I'm really looking forward to it. This is like oh my God. Christmas, my uh, birthday, Halloween, like yeah. all the good stuff in uh, one day. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much. Like our audience is going to be so happy to know about this. We'll release it right around that time. And Fantastic. honestly, I just appreciate your time because I know that you are probably busy, you know, figuring out how the freaking universe works. So there you go. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you, thank so you so much. much. <laughs> and I loved your questions. They were fabulous. Okay. Peace. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.